Now I have a prop, so just uh, give me a second here. I need my red rope today. You'll understand why as we get uh, into God's word. All right. Just going to talk for a few moments about the rope of hope. Uh, even the word hope um, is something that uh, pops up in our culture and our advertising, our songs. Uh, there's a lot of talk about hope, where you find hope, the need for hope. It's a big idea. I wonder... Um, where that just sits with you at the moment, what you put your hope in. We all need it. Certainly our First Nations peoples, 120 or so different languages in our country, they're no more the same than we are, and uh, there's a lot going on. Hope is a big issue. We all want it, don't we? (laughs) Especially when there's uncertainty, especially when things seem to be out of control, when the pressure is on, uh, what a difference it makes to know the hope that God brings and uh, is so sure for us. The Bible has got a lot to say about hope. And I was checking that out a little while ago, and I bumped into the Hebrew word tikva, which usually gets translated uh, in the Old Testament as part of the original language there as the English word hope. Can we all say the word tikva? Have a go. Come on. Tikva. Can we do it again? Tikva. Okay, so you all speak Hebrew now. So well done. Interestingly today, the national anthem of the state of Israel is called Ha-Tikva, the hope. Uh, Interesting. Turns out the very first mention of the word Tikva in the Bible is in our Bible reading today in Joshua chapter 2. So whether you bought a copy of the scriptures or you've got it on your phone or maybe uh, later today or during the week, I don't know. This is a story that I guess many of us will know, but uh, there's something very special that God Uh, puts together here, which I want to share with you. Rahab, Rahab. Rahab was living on her own, living uh, in a room as part of the the wall around the city of Jericho. Uh, Because of her uh, profession, uh, entertaining men in the way that she was, uh, she sort of, I guess, would have been ostracised by some, uh, known about, but her situation was certainly not... Um, Just uh, average, I guess. And this was the gateway to the land of Canaan, which God had promised uh, his people. And it's now 40 years since uh, the Israelites had uh, just given up on God and refused to believe God's promise to them and wandered around the desert and had to learn the hard way again, just like we do. And now here's Rahab in this city of Jericho, and there's only two other Uh, of that generation of Israelites left. Remember who they were, Joshua and Caleb. There's a whole new generation now of God's people. And here they are. They've fled Egypt as slaves. They're on the verge of coming into the promised land. And Rahab would have been able to look out her window and see the Israelites camped out there just across the Jordan River, knowing they were probably about to hit Jericho. And I don't know about you, I wonder what you, you think about or what you see when you look towards the horizon, um, when you look out the window of uh, your life at the moment. What do you expect today, this week, uh, to come next? What's, what's happening for you? What's happening for the peninsula? What's happening for our city, our state, our country, our world at the moment? Uh, where is your hope? Uh, what is your hope? Uh, who are you putting your hope in? Who's going to make things better? Who's going to sort it out? Well, Rahab and the population of Jericho knew that these Israelites were coming with a reputation. 
Uh, they knew that in recent times, uh, no one had been able to stand against them. And we've got the Amorites and Bashan and Moab and the five kings of Midian. They'd all been recently dispatched by the Israelites. And now it's time for them to cross the Jordan River opposite Jericho. And Rahab can see them coming. And the city is in lockdown and in fear. And for good reason, because they know what is about to turn up. What does Joshua do now as the leader of God's people? He sends two spies to secretly check out uh, the city. And they end up being sheltered by Rahab. And she protects them. Somehow they bump into each other. They have a conversation and she's prepared to hide them from the king, from the authorities, um, so that people don't realise who they are. And she knows they're there. He knows they're there as king. She hides them under stalks of flax, uh, drying on her roof. And verse 9 of our Bible reading today tells us that somehow she already knew that God had given her city over to the Israelites. And in verse 11, she recognises that the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. So there's, there's a backstory here. We don't know all that's led Rahab to realise that. And so she does a deal. She puts her hope in a a deal with these spies, and she asks that her uh, family, which was probably estranged from her because of how she spent most of her time due to her occupation, she puts her own life and the life of her family in the hands of these two spies. And she helps them get away, verse 15. She lets them down outside the wall by a rope from the window in her house down outside. And what's the sign of the deal? Verse 18, the last verse in our Bible reading today, although the story continues right into Joshua chapter 2, she's to tie the scarlet cord. Uh, some Bible translations call it a thread or a rope uh, made of dried flax, I reckon, uh, dyed red, and she's to leave this rope later, having let them down, as a sign in her window of where her house is. And as the Israelite army turns up, uh, this will be how uh, she will be then recognised and kept safe. And sure enough, if you keep reading, you get to chapter 6, as the walls of Jericho miraculously come down, the scarlet rope hangs in the window and it marks the spot. And Rahab and her family in the end are the only citizens of the city who are spared. Amazing story. Now, this is the, the big idea that just um, jumped out at me as I was looking at this in God's Word. Guess what? Uh, where is Tikvah in this story? Uh, actually, the word hope wasn't there. Uh, not translated as hope, but it's actually translated, this one word, Tikvah, which is translated in the rest of the Old Testament, usually as hope, is translated in Joshua chapter 2 in the story of Rahab as rope. Rope. We literally have the rope of hope. What a powerful picture this is, and it's why I've got this scarlet rope here today, just I hope help get that picture uh, in your mind. For the root meaning of tikvah, the root meaning of the Hebrew word that we use as an English word, hope, today, uh, is all about multiple strands of what just is able to be put together, something to hope for, things to expect, to wait for. And this is actually the root meaning of the word hope. 
So what can we take from this? How can we apply that as we go into the rest of 2023 and on into the future for uh, Rosebud and everybody else? It was great to be at Rosebud, at the Rosebud campus last Sunday. Just want to briefly give you two things. The first one is the boldness of Rahab's faith. The boldness of Rahab's faith. Rahab was putting her faith in a rope (laughs) that was hanging in her window. That's what her future was going to depend upon. It was a sign of how serious she was, of how boldly she was uh, trusting the answer to the predicament that she didn't ask for, that she found herself in the middle of, uh, that things would work out. It was a guarantee that she and her family would be spared, that there was uh, hope ahead for them. But she had to choose to tie that rope in the window and leave it there, no doubt, for a little while, uh, ready for what was coming. Now, I don't know about you, sometimes when we're in the middle of tough stuff and things are happening around us and we know we need to trust in certain things or depend upon certain things and we know the promises in God's word sometimes but we're not sure just how God's going to keep those promises or apply them for us. we We can give up hope. We can even despair sometimes. We can even get quite cynical as Aussies, I think, sometimes. This is how so many of our Indigenous brothers and sisters feel today. Uh, You've got to hear their stories. You've got to sit with them and understand the backstory to really appreciate that. But not Rahab. I mean, she may have felt unworthy. She was effectively trapped in her situation and very helpless, really. But rather than just stay stuck there, she chose to uh, look forward, to take a step forward, and despite all the risks of everything that was happening around her, she stood firm and trusted and followed through, as difficult as that was, and uh, waited. So she boldly separated herself from the rest of the population. She put her, her faith in the God of heaven and earth. She'd already heard about what was happening in other places, but she chose to think that this God uh, could connect with her. Now, I don't know if you feel hopeless at all today. Uh, There's all sorts of reasons why we need hope at the moment. Sometimes it's finding a job. Sometimes it's finding somewhere to live. Sometimes it's all the increases in the cost of living um, that we're hearing about so much. Maybe it's a health challenge. Maybe it's a broken relationship. But there's stuff that intrudes and tests uh, what our lives are about. Well, Rahab's story here, uh, your story, our story, says that the story is not over yet that we can boldly put our faith in a God who has not changed. And he sees it all and he knows it all and he's ahead of us and he's alongside us and he will not let us down. So the boldness of Rahab's faith. Then just secondly, the confidence of her waiting, waiting. Now, as certain as it was that the spies would keep their part of the bargain, she had to also, of course, wait to hold on till the time came for her rescue and the the rescue of her family. And what a great picture of hope this is, to to wait at the window and, uh, you know, look out (laughs) and see what's coming, Uh, probably on her tiptoes sometimes. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son, the waiting father who looked into the distance, uh, waiting for his son to come home? Rahab waits with confidence. Uh, She couldn't be sure of the timing. She didn't know how things would work out. And then she sees the Israelites come 
and surround the city and march around the city every day for seven days. And then on that seventh day, they go around seven times. And she still trusts that she has not been forgotten. That rope of hope still hangs in the window. And I guess if you know the rest of the story, you'll know that Rahab, as she came out of that time and she was saved, that the whole next sweep of history flows out of her lives in some ways. Do you remember what happened with Rahab? Do you remember that she married Boaz? Boaz, do you remember Boaz? The Boaz who marries... Sorry, she's the mother of Boaz. She doesn't marry Boaz, marries Boaz. It's Ruth, isn't it? Boaz marries Ruth. They have a son, Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. Yes, Rahab is David's, King David's great-great-grandmother. But there's more, isn't there? If you know in the New Testament as well, Rahab pops up in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, Rahab is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, uh, a non-Israelite, Canaanite woman with her occupation of all things becomes part of the line of the tribe of Judah that God himself uh, chooses to come to this earth uh, as a part of. And in the great heroes of the faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, Rahab actually gets a whole verse, which is more than King David gets in Hebrews chapter 11. And James, in the letter he writes towards the end of our New Testament, uses Rahab as an example of someone who puts her faith into action. Now, this is one amazing woman who uh, just continued to let God uh, use her in the most remarkable ways. Who would have thought that could have happened? I'm sure she was just as surprised as anyone else. But she surrendered her hope to a God who she trusted and he did not let her down. Uh, sometimes we can think it's too late or it's too hard. Our Indigenous people certainly feel that it's too late in many ways and too hard. Some of them have given up. Some of us give up. Have you lost hope? <laughs> is, it all, um, is it all over, you think? Well, only God knows what will flow out from our willingness, like Rahab, to take a step to uh, hang the rope of hope in our window in whatever way he asks us to. Uh, I wonder what that means for you today as you head off. Uh, you may feel you're just hanging on by a thread, uh, and sometimes it gets like that, doesn't it? I've had times like that. A Rahab story tells us that a thread, if that's all you've got left, is enough as long as you keep holding onto it and you keep holding onto God and put your hope in him and his character and his promises and don't try to work it all out or take all the noise of our culture uh, to overwhelm us. Keep holding on. Keep holding on to the rope of hope in confidence. And of course, there's a scarlet thread through the whole of the scriptures, isn't there? Um, you'll remember the, the blood on the doorposts in the Exodus story, the Passover lamb, uh, Rahab, her scarlet rope of hope, uh, Jesus on the cross, that scarlet thread, the blood that was given for us so that God is able to throw a lifeline out for anyone this very day, uh, it still is available. So let me encourage you today to take a step of hope, uh, just as much as uh, our Indigenous people are processing next steps. We all have a past, don't we? Our Indigenous people sadly, have had a terribly traumatic past. 
But God wonderfully is able to release and redesign and refresh and renew and revive uh, in the most remarkable, surprising, miraculous ways. That's why Beth and I, with a team and with you and with our Baptist movement all over this country, um, have not given up and our Indigenous people have said, please, let's keep working it out together. Uh, Let's come alongside each other. Can I just pray uh, briefly? Uh, before we worship again. Lord, just thank you so, so much for your faithfulness. Uh, You don't give up on us. We confess that sometimes we give up on you. We get confused and lost and we don't know what's going on and we think that, uh, yeah, there just isn't much hope anymore and the things that we've trusted or depended upon or anticipated just are not working out. Lord, help us, I pray, individually, Uh, together as communities of people that are seeking to follow you uh, in this part of uh, a city and a a state and a nation and a world, Lord, just help us to know what it means to live with our rope of hope still hanging in the window, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.